The enemy is here. He's here? Where is he? He'll be searching for the other two boxes. Hiding until he has all three. Until he's ready. We have to be ready. You, me, the others. Everybody, welcome back. We are gathered here for the final time. Miscarriage of Justice, the final episode, the epilogue episode. And Ian and I are here to pay our final respects to Zack Snyder, to Justice League, to dignity in filmmaking, and to maybe even the concept of movies in general. Ian, are you ready? End of an era, baby. Uh, R.I.P. Zack Snyder. <laughs> you would have loved Army of the Dead. <laughs> I watched. Right. Do you know? Did you know that they dropped the 15-minute opening sequence to Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead on the internet this week, and I watched the whole thing. Dude, it looks so bad. I wanted it to be good. I wanted to want to watch it. It's just, it suffers from, because you know, like Dawn of the Dead, the remake, we all liked it. We all recognize it as a, a movie of its time, but like a thing that is sort of objectively good and fun. This thing looks like it's going to suffer from all of the same issues this Justice League suffers from. It's too long. It's too much of everything. It's the, the guy, you know, if, if some is good, more is better. That's the Zack Snyder uh, credo. And this movie just looks like he threw everything and the kitchen sink into it. Oh, yeah. We talked about this in a guest episode, I think. But he is... He's not a maximalist in terms of fill every pixel with every everything, but mm-hmm. he is a maximalist in the sense that Southern California skate punk bands were in the '90s, or <laughs> you know, Southern hip hop when like just CD technology took over. Oh yeah, and, we're gonna and, make every record 74 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, folks were just like, oh, we can have 73, yeah, 73 minutes and 59 seconds on this, like. Well, that's how much material we should record and then, of course, include. Because I get the impression that there's just no outtakes. It's there not are even no, like no, 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 no. we recorded like those albums that, you know, like, uh, I don't know, which is whatever terrible pop punk album where it's like, there's no way you recorded 27 songs and pared them down to the best 19. And I used best very. Uh, <laughs> I, heard, I heard the scare quotes. Yeah, loose, loosely there. It's just like, no, you recorded 72 minutes of music, and if you didn't have it, then you you made like a skit about, <laughs> you know, a dog stealing your skateboard and like, a, you know, farting or, or something. And, and but but anyway, I feel like Snyder's the same way, and he's just like, oh, these are streaming service things now. We can make this as long as I want. Um, yeah, let's just make this. Let's make every movie five hours long, yeah. and more importantly. Just because the medium allows it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like, that's it. Uh, for, form is uh, dictating function once again, or the way around. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. And, you know, not to... The medium that. is the message. Was that Marshall McLuhan or something? <laughs> I, I think Zack Snyder said it. Yeah. Um, he, <laughs> but, yeah, it's... I. 
too, if you were to ask me like, hey, do you want to watch his remake of Dawn, Dawn of the Dead or the know, Romero like, or like almost like literally anything else? Mm-hmm. I'd probably be like eh, anything else. Like I saw it in theaters. It was kind of fun. There were definitely parts I rolled my eyes at, um, you know, the Jim Carroll song at the end is is fun. But I think he's being graded on a curve for that movie in yes. retrospect. I think everyone's just like, well, everything he's done is terrible, but that wasn't <laughs> completely terrible. Like I didn't like watching it in the theaters. Wasn't the same experience as when they opened the Ark of the Covenant in Raiders of the Lost Ark, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> light from heaven didn't blast through my chest and kill me which is what I felt like was happening slowly for four hours watching Justice League. So I think that movie is actually pretty good. Um, right. I, I don't think it was. I think it still is is crappy, but we're grading him on a massive curve. Yeah, it's fine. So <laughs> I know we've got a lot to get through with the uplog, but I do need to just, just mention this briefly. Uh, there's a 10-minute shoot 'em up sequence in the 15-minute opening credit sequence. That is, you know, Dave Bautista and the rest of the cast just wasting zombies nonstop. And like I told you, I already told you, like, I can only process about, you know, 120 seconds of that before my eyes just glaze over. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> even better than that, uh, it, he's got somebody, a, a lounge singer guy whose name escapes me, singing like a shitty lounge version of Viva Las Vegas over it. And then he gets Allison Crow the hallelujah singing woman involved. And then she takes a verse and just fucking like torch songs, the shit to death. And it's excruciating. Uh, and he's already done that, right? Yes. That's, that's the thing for Dawn of the dead. He had the lounge version of down with the sickness. Yeah. And, and I get it. This is a little bit. He's unfair. paying homage to himself. Yeah. I, I was going to say, this is a little bit unfair because someone like Martin Scorsese can put, you know, the opening little guitar lick from Gimme Shelter into every single movie he does. And, and I'm going to call him on it every time. It's so <laughs> fucking played out, dude. No more. He, 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 no more Rolling Stones for him. Yeah, he's he's he is cut off. But like no one I was going to say, like, no one's going to be like, oh, well, I guess you and maybe <laughs> me are going to be like, oh, so derivative. But right. He's not really getting. Harshly criticized for it. True. But I would say, in part, he has, by making good movies, where he used the Rolling Stones to good effect, right. has earned himself the right to right, copy his own notes and, yep. and do that to the point of self-parody, yep. <laughs> whether he knows it or not. But Zack Snyder, you don't get to do that. You didn't get to make a middling movie with a few fun needle drops and then go back to basically the exact same idea in... A movie that's also about zombies. My man might be out of ideas. We've tried nothing and we're all out of ideas. Remains to be seen, but yeah. He, Zack Snyder, I think is one of those people when it comes to ideas, you know, like the urban legend that you need to run your gas tank like down to zero, like once a year because it cleans the (laughs) gas tank. Right. Right. People are like, oh, no, no, no. You should like let, you should absolutely just run out of gas. Like, and putter into the gas station at least once a year. Gets the sediment out. And Cosmo like, Kramer style. All right, I'm satisfied. We better get some gas. What? Well, we can't stop now. Let's just go for it like Delma and Louise. Yeah, it's like, what? No, that's not a real thing. Zack Snyder, I think, is the same way. He's like, no, I need to completely run out of ideas 
but make two movies in that state, then <laughs> go back to getting some ideas again, which at that point, it's just the old ideas, but he's surrounded by people that won't tell him otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely, uh, register, subscribe for our next podcast. Uh, you're in the army now. <laughs> Nat and Ian talk about army of the dead. That's- <laughs> That's actually not a thing, but maybe it will be. I don't know. Fuck it. Uh, we got to get through this epilogue because there's a lot to cover. There, there is. And we're doing the thing that, that we do. <laughs> Every time. And I will say, as much as I did not like this movie, and I, I keep talking about how one of the things I don't like about it is it's it only can imagine the future in more terrible ways and... You know, to me, that is legitimately depressing, not just point, laugh, ha ha, mm. um, you know, but everything else like that actually bums me out. Um, but I did right. I kind of have grown to to love my captor a little bit <laughs> throughout <laughs> this whole thing. So this will be healthy for me. Just getting getting back out into the world um, and not being under Zack Snyder's terrible desaturated spell (laughs) all right so first of all uh we've got to mention the title of this which uh it's the epilogue and and the the little subtitle the slug the uh the log line is a father twice over which i fucking hate Uh, yeah i mean at least at least this is a line that's Reference direct. Well, I guess the first one, don't count on it, Batman, is yeah. also referenced directly. But yeah, it doesn't mean anything as far as the action is concerned, other than uh, Cyborg's dad, Silas Stone, says it in yes. his his little his speech on on the Zune. But yeah, it doesn't have anything else to do with what goes on in the epilogue, which, and this is still Zack Snyder's fault for calling it that. And then making the epilogue, just this KFC famous bowl of, of plot. Just make me a fucking failure pile in a sadness bowl. That's what I want. Like it's just everything else that he had. It's like a hardcore song in the early two thousands. It's just like, do you like genres of music? Well, good news, because we have genres of music in every single song. We've got yelling guy and singing guy. We've got yelling guy, singing guy. We've incorporated a jazz part, or rather what a bunch of hardcore nerds think jazz <laughs> is. We've got um, breakdowns, chugs, <laughs> fast parts. Come on down to early 2000s hardcore. <laughs> We've got clean parts, clean fast parts. Distorted parts, distorted parts that are quieter than the clean parts. Yeah, it's. <laughs> Do you like snares that sound like timbales? <laughs> Come on down, we've got you covered. Do you like blast beats that sound like you have a serpentine belt problem? <laughs> well, have we <laughs> have we got it for you? All right, so yeah, the thing is called a father twice over only because Silas Stone says that line. It's like literally, he's like, they've got to deliver the finished film to the studio that day is like oh fuck we need a name for this what's something that somebody says like what it could this could have been called my little fish stick i mean just just as easily (laughs) which would have been helpful because i did not know what jared leto was saying when he said my little fish stick 
the first like three times I saw it. it I was just like, what? Yeah. What? Um, we'll get to that. Um, but this, this segment does open on the stones apartment and this, here's something that I never thought of until the very last time that I watched the movie. Silas stone is a baller scientist. Like he yeah. runs the fucking space lab. Why does he live in like a shitty walk up that looks like it's just basically all one room with no storage space? I mean, they've got that one closet for trophies and the mother box. <laughs> That's what but... I'm saying. There's, there's like a coat closet and it just looks, it looks so shitty. I mean, it's always in the pitch. We only ever see it in pitch black, but also it just looks janky. Like, wouldn't he have like some cool mid-century modern place or maybe a house in Connecticut or something? Yeah, it doesn't. I, I thought about that too. And then probably Gal Gadot said something and just, you know, punted my brain across <laughs> the room and I didn't get to fixate on it. But I, yeah, I, I agree. It seems like he's, he's the top scientist at this government, right? This, this big government thing. It's not like he's making a million dollars a year, but he should be, you know, in the healthy Sub 500, six figures. He should yep. be able to have like a decent place. Uh, his son went to school on scholarship, presumably. And <laughs> so it's, a, he, it's like a city college anyway. It's not even, you know, he's not Ivy League. Yeah. I mean, it's again, I right. This movie does not take place in the world. As, as we've mentioned, everything seems just to be like, I don't know how Zach think, thinks things may function, which reminds right. me of... Hallmark Christmas movies, and this may be <laughs> a reference even more obscure than early 2000s hardcore, but every Hallmark Christmas movie, right, is about someone, a man or woman, because I've yet to see one that is not just like a, a hetero couple. Yeah. Um, and one of them works in this small town, lives in an enormous house doing something like refinishing wooden horses <laughs> or, or whatever other job, right? Like only takes only takes uh, thorns out of golden retrievers paws. Like right. that's this person's entire job, but has this enormous house. And then someone else is leaving their advertising job or in the big city. And that's the only thing that these people who write these Hallmark movies can imagine. There's a person <laughs> that, you know, lives in the small town, just kept afloat by who knows what. And then the person who works in quote, the big city. And the only job there is, advertising and they're always just like really busy and they have a coffee in their hand all the time. Yeah. There has been a lesbian, uh, Hallmark Christmas movie though. I can't remember the name of it, but it does Shut exist. My mouth. Yeah. Oh my God. And then there's I, the other one that was not Hallmark, but that had like Kristen Stewart and somebody else in it. Okay. Cause I know like the Hallmark and maybe this is our next podcast, but like most of the actresses and I don't know about the actors necessarily, um, are like, low key Christian weirdos, like oh, people yeah. that are like trying to very, you know, in a non, uh, overt way, get you to be like, being Christian is actually pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> happiest Cameron over there. <laughs> happiest season was the Kristen Stewart one. And which also had, uh, Oh, Clea Duvall was in it and she wrote it actually. Dan Levy was in it. Yeah. Mary Steenburgen. Allison Bree, lots of lots of cool folks. Anyway, uh, yeah. So Victor then reconstructs the the zoom that he had previously smashed in a fit of pique, and uh, we continue the Silas Stone monologue. 
And at one point he says, you can't imagine how proud I am of you and always have been, which was kind of nice. It was nice, but also this part seems really weird to me because this is what he left him like earlier. Yes. And, and, and now he's talking from beyond the grave. Right. But it, it really seems like it was written like he's supposed to be talking about like where he is now. Cause like, mm-hmm. at, like I guess he's his dad. He's always going to be real proud of him. But even at the time he was like, you know, this is back in the like, Oh Victor, you've trashed the apartment. Yes. Oh, Vic- right. <laughs> I'm proud of you. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess like you're always, I mean, it's not that tack. I mean, it is tacked on, but it's not that unbelievable that he's just like, I'm your dad. I'm proud of you. Even though so far you just, hang out here and resent me and I go to work. Right. So yeah. I, yeah, but he says I'm, I'm proud of you, etc. So we do get to sort of start to close that loop. Then we cut to back to the Icelandic fishing village where Aquaman is worshiped as a God and he's standing on the shore and Amber Heard and Willem Dafoe are there and he's talking to them and he tells Amber and William that Willem that he needs to go see his father. So we see that the hero's journey has transformed not only Victor, but also Aquaman. And this is, if I'm not mistaken, like that is the jump off point for the Aquaman standalone movie. One assumes. Yes. I think, yeah, he goes and sees his, his dad. Um, Right. So yeah, we've got Cyborg, we've got uh AQ man. Who who do we see next? <laughs> well, I do I want to I want to say how weird this is when he he sort of uh doesn't really say goodbye to Amber and Willem, but he he grabs two lobster traps, throws them in the back of the pickup and then climbs in the back of the pickup and they drive away. And there's a human in the driver's seat, but a dog in the passenger seat. <laughs> So Aquaman, rather than like either getting in and making the dog squeeze over or getting in and making the dog ride in the back, the dog is in is riding shotgun and he's in the bed. That's just how he is, man. He's a cool dude. <laughs> he's a cool dude. He, he also probably, so it's actually not that this even matters. So it's probably at that point, not at the Icelandic fishing village. This is just in Maine because his dad's on the coast of Maine somewhere. You can't get there from here. Oh fuck. I completely. Yeah. Uh, because that's where he was before. That's where I placed him again. Right. I mean, it only makes also, I'm sure in Zack Snyder's mind that Maine is a peninsula off of Iceland. So like, <laughs> <Right>? it doesn't, <laughs> it, it all tracks. No, it is probably Maine. And that would make sense with the lobster pots and everything. Yeah. What's also funny, and I processed it at maybe like the third time I saw it. Grant, I'm sure there's plenty of stuff like this, but there is a bit in The Simpsons where Homer is hitching a ride and the farmer's like, you have to sit in the back. Can't trust pigs with watermelon. Great old Zeke, he rides up here with me. Can't trust a pig with watermelons, you know. And then you just cut to Homer eating all the watermelons (laughs) in the back. So, I, so fucking it, it, good. Yeah. I mean, yeah, presumably Aquaman is in the bed of this old like beat up pickup because he's also like super hung over and yeah. he's just going to like sleep it off. He's just going to lay down back. Yeah. <laughs> Make a pillow out of some lobsters and lay down. <laughs> I do need, I don't want to pick on the women actors in this movie, but Jesus Christ, Amber Heard is fucking terrible. And I guess maybe anybody who's not 
amazing, will look terrible alongside Willem Dafoe, but Jesus Christ, she's bad. Yeah, I mean, Willem, Willem Dafoe is... If anything, though, I feel like Willem Dafoe makes you realize how absurd the dialogue is. Oh, dude, 100%. Right, whereas with... Although, so so does... Gal Gadot. Willem Dafoe and Gal Gadot are an example of horseshoe theory, right? Yes. Where it's just like, yes. <laughs> she's terrible and makes you realize how bad the dialogue is. He's amazing and makes you realize how bad the dialogue is. I feel like Amber Heard is just like somewhere actually in the, like the you know, top arc of the horseshoe where you're like, sure. I kind of, you know, forget what she's doing or saying most of the time. Um, yeah, so he goes off to convene with the lobster could he communicate with lobsters i would assume so yeah right so he can he can make them do his evil bidding yes yeah, horseshoe so crabs like, like just imagine like convening an army of horseshoe crabs would be so sick <laughs> that's legitimately terrifying yeah fucking spear them all with those weird tails of theirs yeah so i mean is he bummed out at this guy because he's <gasps> capturing lobsters or does he just be like well this is you know salt of the earth Fisherman type of stuff. This is yeah, what it's you... like circle of life, bro. You know, yeah. it's, uh, but the, the lobsters are like, as they're hauling in the, the lobster pots, they're like, help me. Save no, me. no. Yeah. A chorus of please, please, <laughs> uh, please, Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> they're just like Dickensian orphans for him. <laughs> Can I have please, some more? <laughs> oh, it, the boiling. I don't know. They don't know they're going to be boiled. Why? Well, maybe. I don't know. This, this is. These people are going to put me on their kitchen floor and make me race. I assume that everybody who ever bought live lobsters did the thing where you'd put them on the kitchen floor and make them race. Did you guys do that? I don't think. Lobster. Maybe that was only my deranged parents. <laughs> I'm sure that happened, right? Just big growing up in New England. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it is. It, is that a uniquely New England thing that you go into the grocery store and there's just an enormous tank full of live lobsters like yeah i didn't see that when i was living in indiana so no. answered my own question yeah uh there is a weird thing that silas stone says at the at the so we're, we're about to cut to go to the science lab and see ryan Choi be anointed the new director of nanotech mm -hmm. uh, and he will become the superhero known as adam but uh, silas stone at the end of the aquaman segment he says the world is hurt broken unexchangeable I think that's what he says. Can you can you parse that? Because I absolutely cannot. You can't bring it back in and swap it out. That's what that's unexchangeable what I mean. yeah. means. Uh, yeah, I I got this. Uh, I got this world. Um, I hate it. It's uh, it's terrible. I would like to get a better world, please. Yeah, you 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 can't even get store credit. Like this <laughs> this world is purchased as as is <laughs> it's as is <laughs> you got it it was on clearance yeah it, like no seriously but does that make any sense in any context because i'm i'm trying to be charitable i'm trying to work with zach here and i got nothing what's he say this world the world is broken the world is unexchangeable hurt broken unexchangeable i'm pretty sure that's i mean that's what i heard and i listened to it a bunch of times I can't exchange myself today. <laughs> um, Wait, are you doing the are you doing the Nine Inch Nails Johnny Cash song? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I'm swapping hurt for Yeah, exchange. no, I got it. No, no, Eventually. Yeah. It's a bit of a reach there. A good joke is a joke that requires lots of explanation. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right. I was just wondering if that was just me. 
or if it just literally made no sense. Because then he goes on to say, but the world's not fixed in the past, only in the future, which also makes no sense. That's like epic, dumb, smart guy or yes, smart, yes. dumb guy like, shit. Yeah, the, the people who are like, I've, have you, have you, you need to watch this 21 minute video from Gary V. And I'm like, I don't <laughs> think I do actually. Wait, what, is Gary V a real person? Yeah. He's some guy on the internet that occasionally, and if anyone who is my friend is listening to me and you are someone that has sent me one of those videos, know that I thought it was dumb and I just never responded to you. So. I judge you for this. <laughs> is he like some existential philosopher wannabe string theory guy? I don't even know. I think he's just like an inspirational dude about like oh. getting your life together. Um, yeah, no, not, not even one of those like, did you know that sometimes particles move as waves? Holy fuck. <laughs> Here are my Bitcoin tips, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Then we cut to Wayne Manor and Bruce and Diana. And I think Alfred is there and they are making plans for their sick clubhouse. The no homers club. Yep. They're making plans for Nigel. <laughs> There's going to be a round. They're literally making a round table with spaces for six people. And they go, and maybe more at that point. Batman should have flipped his lid again and been like, no, there's only six. Like what That's happened right. <laughs> of all this silly, pointless dialogue, the there, you know, it can't be five. It has to be six is the thing that really just <laughs> stuck between the two low, two un, underbaked loaves of my brain. Yeah. Um, but no, because we know that uh, Martha Marshall Mathers Manhunter is going to join later on. So <laughs> Eminem, that's uh, John John's. Oh, my goodness. Just him, him floating down and saying, hi, my name is a bunch of time. Hi, my name is my name is my name is. Martian Manhunter. <laughs> oh, the Martian Manhunter. <laughs> I this is a complete aside. I worked at a guitar center and there was a guy that used to walk around just going, Wicka Wicka Slim Shady. Like he was an employee. <laughs> and you didn't murder him? No uh, court in the land would have convicted you. It, and the funny thing is at that point, Guitar Center, still being a commissioned based job, our manager you know, the floor manager said, all right, if there's a dispute over whose sale this is, you, you just have to go and resolve it yourselves, which meant either oh, fuck. fighting in the parking lot or fighting yep. in the storage room. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I probably could have murdered this person. Um, and all guitar centers, uh, people don't realize this are international waters. So laws. <laughs> <laughs> Monkey knife fight. I'll never know the simple joys of a monkey knife fight. You can gamble. You can marry a horse. You can do whatever you want. Uh, once, once Bain Capital took them over, that all changed, though, unfortunately. Wouldn't it be cool, though, if it, instead of the uh, Mitt Romney Bain Capital, it was actually Bain? Oh, yeah. From that's... Dark Knight Returns, Bain Capital? Well, the funny part, you, you say that. I was working there as the like Bain acquisition or whatever it exactly it was was going on and there were like a few you know dorks that were like dude is it bane from batman it's like no it's not bane from batman tom hardy yeah, just <laughs> comes in no one cared who i was until i raised several rounds of of private <laughs> equity <laughs> incredible uh, 
So dumb. Um, yeah. So, so but, yeah, we cut to, we cut to, uh, uh, it's a Barry Allen, Billy Crudup scene. I mean, Crudup is just so fucking good. And we barely get him. We barely get him. It's a fucking tease. It's a dry hump. Is this the second time? Second or third. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I forget if like the first time we see him is the Harry and the Hendersons thing, or if that is the, I think there might be three crud up scenes, but I, I wouldn't swear to it, but this one's just great. So Barry Allen comes in and he shows him that he's gainfully employed in the crime lab yep. and crud up is like freaking out with joy. He's overjoyed. He's yelling to the fellow prisoners and to the guards. And he's like, and Barry's like, chill, you're going to get your ass beat. Um, he's just so charismatic. Like, ah. It doesn't matter. He could be playing the most evil guy around and you would, I would just still be like in the tank for the Billy Crudup character. Yeah, it's, it's great. And like the scant good things in this movie, they're barely there. <laughs> yep. Like, yep, yep. It's like a little humanity. It's a little joy. We get a little, you know, humans can have a little joy as a treat instead of dark, desaturated darkness. Uh, speaking of joy, we cut to the Wayne estate. Martha is moving back in. Uh, not only Bruce didn't pay off the mortgage to the Kent for him. He bought the bank. Yes, that is. And this is the one time that we see that I guess they are friends after all. Right. Uh, oh yeah. And we're at the, the Kent estate, right? Not the, not Wayne Manor. Didn't I say the Kent form? I thought you said it doesn't matter. We'll edit this. It doesn't out. matter. Um, well, We're adding it all this out. It is the Wayne Manor now. I mean, he, right. he owns. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I bought the bank, and Superman's like, oh, th this this guy. But what he doesn't know is that Batman's a terrible landlord, and he's <laughs> going to be like, yeah, this I have. You know, I'm going to evict you guys again. I'm putting right. I'm putting condos up here. I'm just letting you walk through it one more time. Um, so it's funny. It's funny that uh, Zack Snyder thinks that we think that the only way that you can buy a distressed property is by buying the bank that owns it. Like literally if this house, if this farm were foreclosed upon, you could literally just go and say, Hey, I would like to buy this distressed asset of yours. And the bank would like be like, yes, please take it <laughs> off of our hands. We don't want it. Yeah. This doesn't seem like it's in a hut market. It, um, no. and I, you know, I get that it's just in, because we keep getting these jokes, right? That what's your superpower? I'm rich. I'm rich. You have a satellite. I have six. <laughs> There's like another one in there that, yeah, he went and bought the bank. Um, and so, yeah, my brain immediately started going for a second where it's like, okay, let's say that he is buying, you know, whichever bank owns, owns this house. This would take so long. Oh, yeah. The like. But I, again, I just immediately, like my, someone knocked on my head and was just like, shut, don't think about this. Don't try to put this in reality. It's a comic book movie. Who cares? Yeah. He didn't actually buy a bank. It's, it's fine. I also like the idea that it's like a local credit union. Like that's who they had their loan with. Right. And Batman has come in and like bought out this, this small local credit union that otherwise is like doing really positive things. Um, mm -hmm. And now they're just owned by this enormous corporation. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But no, like the SEC or the FDIC, like all these bodies would have to approve the sale. It would take years, probably months, if not years. And uh, yeah, instead, instead of just buying the property outright, which the bank would be happy to unload because the last thing that they want is a fucking, you know, a thing on their books. Yeah, because this, I mean, the fan base from what I can 
glean from you know farming the ocean floor of internet comments which i've i've done you know on and off throughout doing this like the folks that are really into this movie are also folks that think like elon musk is really cool oh absolutely and that like, venn diagram is a circle yeah um with just a frowny face in the middle um <laughs> yeah so for, like he he bought a bank like that's so cool like oh you know elon musk is like that guy's that guy's awesome man like and it's yeah just that kind of you don't understand how money works you don't understand how any of these things are actively going against you yet you just yep. assume they're really they're really awesome oh yeah elon musk you know wants the best for all of us yeah that's why he's going to uh, terraform Mars and we're all going to live there happily together. <sighs> so the, the Silas Stone voiceover started out good, uh, but has gotten annoying. At this point, he says, it's time you stand, fight, discover. Heal, love, win. The time is now. And J.K. Simmons fires up the bat signal. I imagine when he was just listing all those things off, that someone was just like tossing him driftwood with cursive font on it. And it, it's, <laughs> he was just like, ah, uh, you got to live. Oh, live, okay. laugh, love. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, live, laugh, cyborg, love. in this house, we laugh loudly. <laughs> Forgive often. Um, <laughs> just, we believe black lives matter. Science is real. real. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Christ almighty. Silas Stone, even in death is a shit lib. Yep. Just. <laughs> All right. That is the end of the epilogue part one. We are one third of the way through the last eighth of this movie. Uh, uh, cut to Arkham Asylum. We see what we think is left Lex Luthor laughing maniacally. Uh, and the CO says, Lex Luthor, you got to settle down or something. And the, the CO eventually enters the room and it's just some other bald guy who's losing his shit. Uh, so where is Lex Luthor? Where has he gone? He's on Jeff Bezos's yacht <laughs> yacht, right? Yeah. I do have a question before we move on to the Lex Luthor deathstroke scene. Uh, why are we housing our criminally insane people in a dilapidated Victorian prison? <sighs> you are asking questions for which there are no answers. <laughs> I mean, um, didn't, didn't Jesus say like, uh, however you treat the lowest among us, this is like, uh, this is what you should judge us on. I yeah. mean, I think the criminally insane are officially the lowest among us. I, I mean, if this is something that I will give the comic book universe of, of, of DC is that right. Gotham is a place full of the criminally insane. Um, right. And Ark Arkham is a, 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 an, a, an archetypal thing within the universe. So it's fine. It's just like, right. you know, I don't know. Not that cool in my opinion. I'll, I'll, I'll grant it. Slayers criminally insane should have been playing in the background, but, but what can you do? But it is, this is where things get really tacked on. So I will oh grant boy. that the Silas Stone uh, voiceover, I was going to call it the Silas Stone Overture. No, 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 no. Love. No, 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 no. Live. 
that that part is like the epilogue, right? That puts a bow yes. on the action that we saw. If could if, could have should have ended right there. Yeah, that all makes sense, and it's showing you where the characters are going. Aquaman is going to marry a lobster. He's going to have actually several sister wife lobsters. Um, they're all going to do their own things, and now we're just like. This is kind of the supposed to be the cliffhanger. Like I get, and, and if I'm being generous, I will say this: Lex Luthor, who we have not seen, we only mentioned once. I think Arthur mentions Lex Luthor at like some point in time mm-hmm. throughout this four hours. No one's really thinking about Lex Luthor. Like, yeah, we know he's in the background, and I get this is part of a bigger, you know, series of films. But this is like the cliffhanger. And after this, it should absolutely end. But as we will see, it doesn't. So yeah, Lex Luthor, he broke out somehow. We'll, we'll, we don't know how. Um, Who cares? Doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, he could have just flown away. As, as far as we know, they're like, all right, here are your prison jetpacks. Make sure not to use them for escape. And he's just like, ha, 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 I'm evil. I'm escaping. But yeah, so he's on this boat. Um, and I just hate. Jesse Eisenberg. <gasps> I'm so glad you said that. I fucking loathe that kid. If and I don't I, know why. Okay, so here it is. It's a pact between you and I. If yes. You, and I I read some like New Yorker article about him, like with the expressed point of like, I should not hate a stranger that I occasionally see on my television screen. Wait, like, that's the the writer also hates him? No, the writer, no, this is why I even read the New Yorker oh, article. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Because otherwise I would not have have read a profile on Obviously, yeah. Like probably any actor ever whatsoever. Um, except I did read that one about Army Hammer being a crazy person. Jesus Christ. That was good. Um, anyway. And I think he like lives in Ohio or something. So, you know, we'll probably never run into him. But right now we have to have a pact that if you and I ever see him in person and we will go into a fugue state and attack him, we have to bail each other out of jail. <laughs> yeah. It's like Johnny Rotten and... Uh, um Sid Vicious, when they see who, whenever they think they see Rod Stewart in his limo in London, they like chase him down. <laughs> That's what we have to do to Jesse Eisenberg. Oh, uh, can't, can't stand him. Can't fucking, can't stand you. Yeah. Can't stand you. Yeah, he sucks, dude. I hate him. Um, but yeah, we're, he's on the Bezos yacht and Deathstroke arrives. And uh, none of this is really explained. I guess you have to be sort of steeped in the DC lore to understand any of this. But Lex tells Deathstroke that Bruce Wayne is Batman, which. I mean, you've mentioned it before. I feel like I may have mentioned it before. I feel like everybody would already know this. This would already be common knowledge because they're so cavalier with their secret identities that I'm surprised that this just isn't, you know, uh, urban legend at least or just common knowledge at most. Yeah. He's constantly introducing himself to people as Bruce Wayne slash Batman. Yes. Like when he goes, he could have had the wrong flash. I mean, granted, he didn't, you know, he's in his compound with a suit, but he's like, well, I'm going to go find, you know, Aquaman. And I'm basically revealing to this entire town that I'm Batman, this entire, you know, fishing hamlet that I'm Batman. You're out of your mind, Batman. (laughs) And like, he's just constantly giving it away. I'm surprised that there wasn't, you know, a scene where commissioner Gordon is putting on the bat signal and Bruce Wayne is there. He's like, can you just make it say Bruce Wayne like <laughs> underneath it? Um, so yeah, it's supposed to be this big reveal 
or you know rather it's going to be driving the action forward that Lex Luthor is giving Deathstroke Batman's identity. Right, but it carries no charge whatsoever because there's no there's no secret information there as far as we're concerned. But but then like Deathstroke gives him Jack Nicholson face from the Departed, where he's like, ah, <laughs> he's giving him like the meme. He's like, ah, yeah, this I like. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, we assume that, okay, Lex Luthor's back, baby, and he's got a boat, and now Deathstroke is, is in the mix, and there's going to be trouble for Batman. There'll be trouble for you. <laughs> so right, that's and so thus endeth uh, Act Two of the epilogue. And then finally, at long last. But really, the credits should have rolled at that point. It should have just been like, here you go. Um, but you remember the story. Jared Leto prevailed upon Zack Snyder to film this end part. And so none of them were ever in the same, on the, in the, in the same location at the same time when they shot this. They shot it in Zack Snyder's backyard uh, with handheld cameras, which actually makes it look cool. It, it, yeah, it, it does. I mean, the... Once I was aware that uh, Bat Affleck and Jared Leto were not ever in the same place at the same time, that became like super obvious to me. But oh, it, yeah. But it was interesting just to see things changed up a bit. Yes. So instead of all the tracking shots, instead of the circular pans, we get like these tight, handheld, shaky uh, things, which, and, and like, and, like Eileen and other folks have talked talked about, it is uh, it's instead of dark and desaturated, it's bright and desaturated, <laughs> right. and it's too much. But still, it is a shift. And after so much clean produced, uh, uh, you know, post produced within an inch of its life, like this actually is a cool tonal shift. Like in and of itself, like on its own, it's not good. But taken in the context of the entire movie, I was like, oh, this is somehow satisfying. Um, so we're in the, the blasted post-apocalyptic hellscape. There are parademons flying around. And I loved the Batman look. He's got like the Lawrence of Arabia sort of cowl going on. Right. It looks really fucking cool. Uh, and he is alongside Amber Heard, uh, Batman. And and Deathstroke, did I, do I have this right? Deathstroke is now apparently on their side? Yes. So Deathstroke has joined forces with him due to the events between Lex Luthor telling him his name and whenever this is, which, you know, so you could, you could, you could see how I would be confused because what we just had was, uh, the Joe Manginello guy was swearing his fealty to Lex Luthor swearing to kill Batman. And then in the very next shot, he's chilling on the same side with Batman and cyborg and those guys. Right. And, yeah, it's it's Batman, it's Cyborg. Uh, the Flash is there in his what I've read online is his time travel suit. That's like why oh he's, um, you know, in that kind of full full robot gear. And 
yeah, they are traveling the wasteland and it is, it is different, but I, for me, it was the difference of eating like gray gruel <laughs> for weeks. And then some of you are like, guess what? We have yellow gruel. And if anything, I was like, Ooh, is this like a chickpea curry? And I'm like, Oh no, 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 no. It's, it's the exact same flavor. It just looks a little different. But I'm telling you for a second there, you were like, Oh, something different. Oh right? no, it, it gives you it momentarily. Gives, yeah. It gives you like some hope in, in that. Cause it does. It, it looks a little different. You know, the color palette's different. As you said, you know, how it's framed because of what cameras they were using is a little different, but almost all of that gets sandblasted out of my brain <laughs> once the crown My man crown prince of <laughs> once, overacting once, once cuban pete shows up right they call me cuba pete i'm the king of a rumba beat when i play the maracas i go chick chicky boom chick chicky boom <laughs> the crown prince of overacting <laughs> oh, just i love him so much he's so good jared leto's joker is <laughs> Yeah, so we'll, we'll 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 spend ample time on it. Yeah, they're clearly on a mission of sorts. They're in the desert, um, and you know they're like, we can't let him find us. And you know they're talking about him. Him is Superman in in mm-hmm. this world, right? Superman has gone evil because they let Lois Lane die, and now they're trying to. I don't know if they're going to go kill Superman. I don't know what they're going to do. Hopefully I never find out because hopefully Zack Snyder is not allowed to make this movie. Um, Somebody will make this movie, but hopefully it will not be Zack Snyder. And then they come upon on their, on their journey, just sitting out there. (laughs) Just, I, I don't know if we were to believe that the Joker just like hangs out in the desert wasteland. Cause that's just how, crazy of a guy he is <laughs> but he's just there it's not like he's at and it doesn't matter but they, they they happen upon him right it appears he's there to like you know ask if they would like to go on a quest right he's mm-hmm. he's the guy in zelda who sells you a shield he's just like hanging out in a cave somewhere and we are treated to just this uh this is my prop absolutely my least favorite part of the movie. I don't think I was ever more incensed than watching Jared Leto do whatever it is he's doing and say the things he's saying, which and some of the blame rests on him because in interviews, Zack Snyder would talk about how Leto improved a lot of the dialogue. It's so terrible. So I mean he should be pilloried. Jared Leto should be in a medieval town square somewhere right In now. stocks. Yes. Yes. Just people th- hurling rotten fruit at him, oh. rotten vegetables. Okay. So, um, I, I mean, I don't disagree with anything that you just said, but big but here. If the Suicide Squad Jared Leto Joker is the, is the you know, the bar that's been set, this one is better. They've gotten rid of uh, the majority of the facial tattoos. The makeup is better. Uh, it, it seems sort of more deranged somehow and less, um, 
uh, performative, I guess. And I do, <laughs> once they, so it's the tight, it's the tight shot, like on the three quarter face of Joker for most of the monologue. Then when they pull back, you see that he's wearing like a Kevlar SWAT vest that's absolutely festooned with police badges. So I will, the, well, you know this about me personally. I am a sucker <laughs> for for a bulletproof vest as a fashion item. Um, yes. I I would actually I would So about his like look about going from like SoundCloud rapper Joker to <laughs> this Joker. Yes. I think it's super lazy because they're just doing a C minus version of the Heath Ledger Joker. So okay. It's, no, it's that's just, totally fair. It's just like, oh, all right, that was like pretty widely panned. Like nobody thought that SoundCloud rapper Joker was cool. What can we do to switch it up? I know what's already been done. And they just like right. very lazily go to like the smeared lipstick and the stringy hair. Um, right. Well, what's what's already been done and and praised kind of, right? It's it, they're just they're doing the thing that they've done throughout the movie. They are addressing the issues that, you know, people have complained about on the internet. Right. And everyone knows you know the internet is just full of dudes who are in love with elon musk and think that you know uh, heath ledger's joker is like the coolest thing ever and love to again the pinnacle smart dumb guys like if you watch the chris nolan movies but think about the joker is the good guy it's like (laughs) whoa like the guy telling you that and the guy like 10 years ago telling you to like actually really watch the matrix are a hundred percent the same guy. Um, yeah. So it's well, like- I do like, I do like the, I do like the idea that maybe he's killed 20 cops. Like that's oh, yeah. fucking cool. No, to like me. It's, it's tight. I mean, <laughs> and yeah, that also what I, I liked about that aside from the, you know, what it implies is that they did it again. What if maybe like two things in the movie that they don't hit you over the head with? Like he yeah. did, he doesn't turn around and be like, See these badges, sugar plum? <laughs> Wait, I don't know how I got these badges. I got these from Kellen Coppers, see? <laughs> this is Sergeant O'Malley, yeah. <laughs> yes, it, there's like, there's sort of symbolism. There is up. There is part for the whole. There is synecdoche. It's, yeah, um, like you just, you're like, okay, like this, this dude's, you know, off his nut even maybe more so than, you know, he was the last time we saw him. Because um, yeah, in the Suicide Squad movies, and I guess that's the only place where you saw him. Maybe you saw him in Batman versus Superman. I can't remember. Mm. But if anything, you were just like, oh, this is like a, sh- this dude's just like a shitty boyfriend. This is like just mm-hmm. the guy that your cousin dates. And you're like, oh, all right, we hope she breaks up with him on his own. But like, if she brings him to Thanksgiving this year, we have to take her aside and be like, yeah. no more. No, no more letting this guy rent. or No more letting this guy park his rented Lamborghini on our lawn. Like this doesn't fly. <laughs> There are two amazing lines in this section. One that I've already mentioned. He, he literally calls Amber Heard my little fish stick, which is, I just, it bears repeating. I cannot get over like how tonally out of whack this is. Like, I understand that Joker's crazy and you can't anticipate what he's going to say. And you never know, like he's a wild man, but it's just so campy. It is so Batman, the TV show. Yes. It is so, uh, it's just so tonally wrong for this scene that it's just, it's absolutely galling. Well, I think we, 
talked about it before because I've keep talking about this, even though, you know, we haven't got here yet. I really feel like Zack Snyder was just shouting through an old timey director's, you know, megaphone like Romero Nicholson. Just like mm-hmm. sh- giving him mm-hmm. like every like and he would just switch because he seems to absolutely just, or I don't know. Is there a um, like Brian Eno card deck that they made that is just <laughs> the other actors who have played the Joker? And he just yeah, it's kept, the oblique strategies deck for yeah. <laughs> Joker performances because <laughs> yeah. he, he goes between like the sinister psychopath to just super campy. Back to the Sinister's psychopath. Back and to it, the to the wait till they get a load of me, Nicholson moment. Yeah, and, and as so, I yeah. mentioned, I there are a, m- a few moments where he just goes into Jim Carrey's The Mask. Like I don't oh, yeah. know if he doesn't realize that the mask was not the Joker. <laughs> like, no, it's the same. It's in the it's in the DCEU. You know, he's like, when you're killed. Who's who's the woman in that movie? It's the lady. oh oh, she's so strange looking for something um, from something about Mary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her. Anyway. Anyway, I was gonna do a mask riff, but no one, no one, no one needs that. Yeah, like somebody stop me. But dude, at one point, he was like, "Batman, I know you're here to stop me." <laughs> like, it totally would have flown, like, because he is so all over the place with it, but not yeah. in a way that makes sense. Yeah, because when he does, like, my little fish stick, and it's camp, and it's totally camp and it doesn't blend with anything else at least not for me maybe someone no 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 it totally no it totally uh it totally just blows up any tension that's been created you're like huh what did he what did he just say i gotta rewind this and watch it again it's completely the wrong tone and he calls her another fish name too (laughs) of course he does what's he say i don't know i don't have it I don't even, but and again, I, you could tell me he was like, my little Gorton's girl, my little filet. <laughs> and I believe all of it because it's just <laughs> my little flounder. Yeah. He, he, he probably maybe calls her a guppy. Like, Oh, okay. I don't know. And I'm not going to go back and watch it. Hell no. But it is. Yeah. And then at one point, so I hope we're thinking, about the same thing when it comes to the other just bizonkers piece of dialogue that comes out of Jared Leto's mouth. Oh no, I was talking about something that I actually liked. So what, what's your thing first? Him uh, saying reach around to Batman. <gasps> Terrible. Yeah. What, are you going to give me a reach around? Or? Who's going to, yeah, does he say who's going to give me a reach around or who's going to give like you that. a reach around? It's, re- it's another thing you were like, tonally, you're like, ah, this doesn't fit. Yeah, and he's trying. It's very jarring. Yeah, he's trying to. I don't know what he's trying to do. <laughs> but yeah, and he also knows who Batman is mm-hmm. in this one, which again, I was just like, all right. Everybody add, does. Add, the ta- yeah, add, the ta- add another name to the list. Everyone knows who Batman is. Um, all right, so what were you going to say? Well, it's, it's, again, always on the search for things that I like in this movie. Uh, the coolest thing I think that Ben Affleck says in the entire four-hour runtime, he says to Jared Leto, and make no mistake, I will fucking kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Which totally, again, weird, jarring, 
Uh, it's a different movie for a split second, but it was also extremely cool. And I was like, whoa, yeah, go Bruce, go Ben, go Batman. And I think, I think that is the third uh, F-bomb in, mm-hmm. this, in this movie, which is funny because it's like that what gave this movie an R rating. Cause it has sh- to be. It shouldn't be the violence. Like the it violence absolutely is not the violence. Yeah. It's just like watching you know, a uh, resident evil too. Like it's mm-hmm. not, um, so it's, I think that they said, you know, the word fuck three times over the course of four hours. Um, yeah. And they're talking, everything that they say to each other makes me want to just take a swan dive off, off a building. It's just so labored and they're just letting you know all the plot stuff that you missed out on. Right. It's just like, yeah. I killed Robin. You killed oh, Harley right. yeah, Quinn. Yeah. You watch what you say next, or it's going to be a bad time for you. <laughs> you really? better be careful about what you say next. And then he isn't. Or what, Bruce? Are you going to kill me? Oh, it's so it's, good. Yeah. And it, I mean, it really is two tough guys in a bar. <laughs> Right, egg, egging each other on. Yeah, but they're both saying, like, hold me back, bro. Like, neither of them wants to fight. That's obvious. Right, it, and it's all leading up to them joining forces. Yeah. To go take on, you know, evil evil Superman. Um, and yeah, it's all just so, I mean, it is very comic booky because I get that, like, in a comic book, you know, characters will just banter at each other forever yeah. and egg each other on. Yeah, everyone else is just standing there, right? It's like we're on this secret mission trying to go presumably attack evil Superman. Uh, keeping our cover is of the greatest importance. So what do we do? We stop <laughs> so Batman and the Joker can just hurl nonsense insults at each other like they're on a school, like, you know, they're on a playground and all the other characters are just like, well, when the bus gets here, one of them sits in the front and one of them sits in the back. So it'll blow over. And yeah. But to your, to your point, they're in the wide open with no cover. And then, you know, Batman could easily just murk them all from space with his laser vision. Yeah. And then we learn that there will be no showdown at this point between Batman and, and the Joker, because he offers him a, a truce, Bruce? Like the way he delivers <laughs> all of his lines, they're like earworms for me, like a terrible song, right? They're they're just like awful butt rock songs that I can't get out of my head and I find myself like humming throughout the day and just, you know, Googling shock therapy, local shock therapy. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, grisly. Yeah, and just like his, uh, um But do you remember what happens next at the end of part three of four? Of the epilogue. Yeah, Superman shows up. Yeah, but then Bruce wakes up. It turns out it was all a bad dream. Oh, or if part. you will, a nightmare. A premonition. Nition yeah. spelled K-A-N-I-T-I-O-N. <laughs> Premonition. Premo. It was all fucking fake. Let's sell Premonition to Zack Snyder before he thinks of it. Or M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so we watched we watched this whole thing, the the twisted Joker, post apocalyptic Joker, and Batman are going to very tentatively and tensely join forces, um, and then yeah, one of them's like, he's found us, right? And Superman has, mm-hmm. has come to get them, 
And then much like, you know, uh, finding out who shot Jr. It was just a dream. <laughs> that's a re- that's a reference that'll land, right? <laughs> <laughs> totally. Everybody watched Dallas back in the day. Yeah, maybe if they had gone to ground sooner, had taken cover, uh, and not had the five minute uh, dick measuring scene, then Superman would not have found them. But it doesn't matter because it doesn't a, matter because it's fake. Because it's a dream. It's fine. I mean, this is Batman's, <laughs> which is frustrating though, because it's it's like a cop out in every direction. Because mm-hmm. it's understood that this is, you know, like not actually a dream, right? They, and through Batman and Superman, he had these nightmares as well, where he was in this sand blasted landscape and there's, you know, the parademons everywhere. And he is, um, you know, like freedom, freedom fighter Batman, right? He's with Rambo training the Mujahideen Batman, <laughs> um, my, this my, movie is dedicated to the brave Mujahideen fighters of Afghanistan. This podcast is dedicated <laughs> to the brave freedom fighters. Fuck yes. God, one of the one of the best just little pieces of I mean, I think everyone who's familiar with Rambo knows that about uh it was either Rambo two or three, but it was just one of the It was the second. It was the, the first it was the first Rambo, first post first okay. blood movie. Yeah, just one of the best things in a movie ever. Um, since, since, uh, uh, retconned out of existence. Yeah. That's why it's, um, much like, and this is just trivia for the sake of trivia. If you go to the Wayne's world, no stairway part, Wayne seems to just play a bunch of nonsense notes before getting shut down and then saying Mm -hmm. no stairway denied. No stairway denied. Because Zeppelin would not give them the rights for the song in wide release, right? They couldn't yes. get the rights for the songs for any of the VHS or home releases. If you saw it in theaters, he actually did play the opening of Stairway to Heaven. Well, he attempted to, right? Yeah. I mean, he, yeah, he did. Play, <laughs> but, but it was like you could hear the notes for Stairway. Oh, yeah. If you go watch it on YouTube, it just sounds like he's playing, you know, it sounds like he's in a band from Providence. Um, <laughs> and yeah, if you like buy like a new DVD for, for Rambo, uh, two it will not have that in it, but like the first run of VHS is a hundred percent did. So good. It's great. Anyway. Um, but yeah, so it's like this, you, you're to believe both that like, this is something that is really going to happen, that this is what the future holds. It's why Batman keeps dreaming about it. It's why, you know, the flash warns him at one point when he's traveling through time, but even that's like, he keeps having, Actual premonitions is a Mm -hmm. stupid and annoying as that is. But then any consequence of this part is wiped clean because it's just, it's just a dream, right? Alfred spiked his drink and (laughs) Alfred has Munchausen by proxy and he's just been poisoning (laughs) Batman for decades. Batman, I, I I can't remember if he's woken up by the doorbell, uh, but that might be what happens. He might be roused from his nightmare by the doorbell. And, uh, oh, look, it's John Johns, uh, Marshall Mathers, Martha Manhunter at the door. This looks like a job for me. Um, wait, does he ring the doorbell? I mean, I don't know. Who? Oh. Like, whatever. I can't, Bruce, I, I can't remember. I love the idea of him ringing the doorbell. Or like... <laughs> Bruce sees him on his, you know, whatever. His nest cam? Yeah, his smart home device that he has. His ring doorbell. 
don't steal my packages. Nope. <laughs> Someone's been stealing my gauntlets. Um, yeah, so he he wakes up, and right there's supposed to be like no reshoots, but I I guess there were no reshoots, but there were there was new footage filmed. Mm-hmm. Right, and I imagine it's this because Ben Affleck. This is the most believable part of the movie when he like gets out of bed and is just kind of like, uh. it looks like shit. Yeah. <laughs> like this is the most grounded in reality that he just, he gets out of bed and he's like wearing pajama pants and like a t-shirt. And he's just kind of like, uh, you know, like you can see him. He's about to go order way too many, you know, uh, donut holes from Dunkin' Donuts and like mm-hmm. spill a coffee all over himself. Wait, do they not call them Munchkins anymore? No, I don't think so. I think oh, that, that is, sucks. That has been um, it's part of cancel culture, man. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it, man. <laughs> Give me back my Munchkins. <laughs> I'm I'm waiting to see Marjorie Taylor Green with an AK-47 <laughs> on the Capitol. AK-47 in one hand and an old box of Munchkins from Dunkin' Donuts on the other <laughs> hand, just decrying cancel culture as as she accepts the republican nomination for president hell yes oh it's just like uh, uh what's his face from from idiocracy shit is fucked up man <laughs> terry cruz as president now i understand everyone shit's emotional right now but listen up i got a three-point plan to fix everything Bring it down, she's basically gonna be terry cruz yeah yeah uh, so yeah, Martha, Martha Manhunter shows up at the door. He tells Bruce that Darkseid will be coming back for the anti-life equation now that he knows where it is. And then he wants to join the Justice League. Yeah. And it, so we're back to like, back to reality. And it, 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 what's funny about it to me is it kind of addresses one of the things that we were somewhat baffled about before, mm-hmm. which... Why didn't Darkseid just step through the like that portal the other time if he's going to come back? The, is he just biding his time? Does he just he does he does say we will do it in the old ways or some shit like that? What's the, he's getting in the con tiki and he's going to let the trade winds take him? Like, what's that mean? <laughs> My man made a con tiki reference. <laughs> Holy fuck! That's am, a deep cut. Hyadol is determined to try again. And this time, in order to find his shipwrights, he goes to Lake Titicaca, where there have been reed boats with sails from time immemorial. I am dumping every reference that I've been... (laughs) Was that Thor Heyerdahl, or was was that somebody else? I was 100% Thor Heyerdahl. For folks that have no idea what we are talking about, look up Thor Heyerdahl. Um, If you go to his Wikipedia page, I think one of the... Like first things he's described as is being like an adventurer, yeah. Um, and yeah, to try to understand how Rapa Nui, uh, more often known as Easter Island, came to be inhabited by people, he sailed in like a thatched boat. Um, Fucking madman from I think the coast of Chile um, to Rapa Nui, and he was like, yeah, it can be done. <laughs> and I and I don't think he had any like modern technologies at the time. This was like maybe the 40s or 50s i should know this uh exactly but i don't but yeah why should anybody know this least of all you (laughs) 
<laughs> no one should know this, and yet here you are. I am slightly obsessed with it. Um, I think that was fifth grade, like social studies or history for me. We learned all about the Contiki. Oh, that's cr- I learned about it because I just kept checking out the books in our elementary school library that were about like alien abduction. Yeah. So don't yell at me. I'm a kid. Of course, I'm going to check out the books on alien abduction and Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster. Hell Why yeah. are you putting them in the library? Put actual books in. Don't be like, you can choose whatever you want. And I'm like, I'm going to take candy. And they're like, no, stop taking candy. So finally, they're like, listen, you need to stop only checking out the books about alien abduction. And so I checked out a book on Easter Island because it seemed like the next best thing. And <laughs> giant heads. How the fuck did they get there? It, yeah, it was. One aliens. Of, exactly. It was one of those like pyramids, aliens, Stonehenge, aliens. Um, Easter Island aliens. So yeah, I came to know about my man Thor. Um, that is awesome. Yeah. So the, the old ways, who knows what, you know, they're going to, he's going to sail around the Cape of, of good hope and eat shoe leather or do whatever. (laughs) Um, yeah. So we know dark side's coming back and the funniest part of all of this. Oh God. Is Bruce Wayne. Like there is a green Martian floating, because I'm pretty sure he stays floating the whole time. Like he never like lands. He never. I can't remember an epic superhero landing where you where you tripod down and yes, you know, crater the ground. Um, he's floating there. He's like, Dark Side will be back. Ba da ba da ba da. Batman is more chill about this than I am receiving any phone call from a number I don't know. Right. <laughs> When well, I, that's just rude. I mean, if someone doesn't text you first and say, "Hey, is it okay if I call you?" That's fucked up. Like when I, you know, get these calls, it's like, "Hey, you know, we're just, you know, this is your your credit bureau." I'm like, "The fuck you are." <laughs> you need to you. I'm going to send you a, an identification code, and you need to confirm with me. <laughs> Absolutely not. This is a. I know. I know this is a scam. Um, and yeah, he just, green guy shows up and I don't know if it's because Batman's like, well, you know, I've seen a portal open and time got turned back. And so I'm just, I'm open for everything. Plus I'm hungover. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but he's just like, he treats this like someone showing up at his door and talking to him about, you know, being a Jehovah's witness or like the church of Latter-day Saints for like three minutes. Yep. Um, we, we've, we have made reference to this before. And I feel like we really need to get into how this movie actually ends and just the, the utter inanity of the final two lines of the movie. Manhunter says, I'll be in touch. And Bruce says, I'll see you around. And then Finn, the movie is fucking over. <laughs> Most anticlimactic ending of a four hour and two minute epic ever. It is, and really just caps off how tacked on and thrown together this epilogue is. Just, like, this is how, it would have made so much more sense to end it after Silas's live, laugh, love speech. It would have made more sense to end it after the cliffhanger of, Lex Luthor and Deathstroke, but instead we just get this trailer for a movie that will hopefully never be made (laughs) and ends with Batman saying, see ya. Like 
like Martian Manhunter's like maybe the UPS driver that he's like pretty close with, but like still has never asked for his first name and now it's too late to do so because it would be weird. And that's it. it. You just see Martian Manhunter fly away. You look at, you know, Batman's lake house. Maybe that's where his main house is. I don't know. And he's just kind of like standing there and he shuffles back off to hit snooze on his phone and, and go to bed. It's, I mean, I, I don't know. Like what if, what were, what was Zach thinking? What the fuck were they thinking? And then after you're just like, wait, but maybe there'll be more. Cause I, at this maybe point, maybe there'll be like, a fifth act to this epilogue. Yeah. At this point I was like, okay, this epilogue's going on forever. No credits roll and you get hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Again. <laughs> and it, it is just, it is absolute insult to injury. Um, and yeah, I can't think of a, I probably watched most of the credits cause I thought, okay, there's gotta be a post credit scene, which is, Right, this thing that's become ubiquitous, especially in superhero movies or any type of movie where they're trying to get you to come in for a sequel. See, I never anticipated that because that's such a Marvel trademark. Right. But I thought if they're going to just keep tagging things on, but I couldn't. (laughs) I made it through maybe 90 seconds of the credits. I was just like, nope, actually don't care. Don't care what happens after this. If yep. anything does happen after this, absolutely does not matter to me. Let me let me go to bed. And I never made it through the credits of the Oh god. I may have seen this movie like 10 times total. Mm-hmm. Never once made it through the credits. I mean, I think half the time once like Jared Leto said reach around, I just got a nosebleed and fell off the couch. <laughs> Well, I mean, the Alison Crow cover of Hallelujah is abjectly awful, and so I mean, it's it's a it's an endurance test anyway, just to make it through the credit scene. So, um, it's terrible. It's terrible. It starts out instrumental. It's like plaintive and instrumental, orchestral, and then the vocal eventually starts, and it's super terrible. Like I hate it. Yeah, I hate the no, song. It's... I hate the song. I hate this. I hate the good versions of this song. And so this bad version of the song is, uh, I hate it even more. I mean, you know, when I was younger and, you know, took everything in my life very seriously and rendered it in a unnecessarily dramatic fashion, you know, the, the Jeff Buckley version really landed for me. But at this point, yeah, the song has just been, it's like, Gustav Klimt's The Kiss. Mm-hmm. It's probably a good painting. Yeah. <laughs> it's impossible. Never need, never need to see it again. And it, yeah. It's impossible to tell at this point <laughs> because it has, it's not even that it's been wielded. It has been wielded poorly, like much like this song has been wielded poorly, but it's also just been wielded so much, right? Like mm-hmm. I don't have an opinion on the sun anymore. It's just there and it's, always going to be there at that point that's how i feel about hallelujah in sad sappy movies it's over we got through it i'm shocked 
uh, in dismayed. I'm not going to know what to do with these multiple hours of my life that I'm going to have back now that I don't have to think about this film. Do you have any closing thoughts on this whole experience? I enjoyed talking to you about this movie a lot. Yeah, no, I mean, so about the whole, I, I kind of have two closing thoughts. Um, one, and I've said this in a variety of ways, and I'll try to keep it succinct, which not my strong suit. Um, <laughs> but, you know, one of the things that really did bother me about about this movie, and not just that, like, it's a bad movie, but it's conception of both the future and how the future is made were really, like, bummed me out because it's it, to me, mirrors just the lack of imagination that I think you know, living in our kind of technocratic, uh, you know, capitalist environment has, has left us with, right. There's just like, it's, it's, it's on railroad tracks to worse fill <laughs> and all yeah. we can kind of do is watch the scenery go by and to, to just see that played out on a big screen and also have Zach kind of like, you know, revel and like lick his fingertips and like, Ooh, you know, I'm imagining such, such misery and such terror. <laughs> Ooh, ha, ha, ha. It's just like, what? No, dude, that's like, just look out the window, man. Like, are you, maybe you are insulated from this, but I don't think the rest of us are necessarily. So, um, yeah. And that just made, um, like I said, it was too on the nose for me, but in a way that I don't think was intentional because I think, Oh, right. Yeah. Right. Zack Snyder is probably shielded, from that kind of reality, right? Like someone that comes out and, you know, with his little like vote for Joe Biden video, because that's how the world will get better. And it's just like, uh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there was that. And like I said, I think this movie different from Marvel movies, different from other movies that are more serious are making more serious uh, statements about the state of the world. This one really hit a nerve for me um, because I think it was more a product of the world that we live in and the time that we live in, but did not acknowledge it in any way whatsoever. Hmm. Right? Like I, <laughs> I, I think this movie speaks more to the predicament we, we are in, in terms of, you know, class struggle, uh, environmental collapse and all the rest than a movie like, uh, parasite did. <laughs> and, yeah. I'm not, and I'm not just, I'm not just saying the craziest thing I can say, because I really do think there's a difference when someone is not paying attention to any of that stuff yet is so directly affected by it. Um, and when they are making something that they think is like completely detached from that or separate from that. And it's so nakedly obvious that not only is it not, not only is your output you know, can it not be separated from the environment in which you live, but the environment in which you live has very insidiously made an effect on the way that you view just the world concepts of future progress, et cetera. So there's, there's that. Um, but no, I actually probably had way too much fun talking about something that I don't like. <laughs> yeah. And you know, um, it, and the guests, so shout out to absolutely every, guest we had not only for being fantastic guests because I'm, you know, really elated with those episodes and the folks that we had on, but for also just taking a chance on an absurd podcast, right? Like this, <laughs> we're not an established vehicle. Um, the premise is 
plainly crazy. It's like we're talking about a movie that we don't like. Uh, some of our guests, credit to them, did not even watch the movie. So, no, had a total, total blast doing this. Was really appreciative of anyone that paid this attention. Um, you know, we got some reviews, we got some feedback, and that was really, really awesome. And I enjoyed doing this immensely, and I hope that it was constructive and not just like here are two people complaining about something. Right. Well, I mean, not only do I not think that your second point was crazy, I, I absolutely agree. And I think about being on uh, uh, the on tracks on the train to Worseville. I, I yeah, I agree a hundred percent with both of the things that you said. Zach didn't know what he was doing when he was doing it, but I think that. Uh, we, we said it so many times throughout the runtime of this show that this doesn't happen in the world that individual that, that people people are not in this that is the you know the sort of the great man theory of history uh, interpretation um, it, it, it sort of forecloses on the possibility of mass politics mm -hmm. there it, there is no changing the course that we are on and it's only going to get worse. I, I, uh, I mean, I don't know that Zach would say that that's his credo, but that's what this movie told me. And I think that's what is in fact happening. Not that, um, not that it can't get better, but that it isn't getting better and it doesn't appear like it's going to get better. So being, you know, being on, uh, on hot rails to hell does seem like what is in fact happening. Oh yeah. And, and to me, it was I'm just repeating myself at this point, but that disconnect of someone who's like presents that as, you know, a crazy messed up vision mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> for versus someone who's like, uh, no, I, I, that that's actually like a dire reality. And we need to yes. course correct in ways that global leadership is just not willing to take on or, or address. Um, yeah, this, this is not, this is not a fantasy. This is not escapism. You have, you have essentially made a documentary. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And we probably didn't touch on it as much, even though it is something that I think is, you know, very, very much embedded in his filmmaking. And it, I mean, the superhero movies in general, right? The great man theory of history that it is, you know, you go back in time and you assassinate so-and-so and you forever change the, the course of history because that is what is driving history. It was like mm -hmm. Hitler. Hitler was the reason that World War II happened. Not all of the events <laughs> following, you know, the first world war in Europe. Um, and that is like a very, for the most part, kind of reactionary worldview. And mm -hmm. I mean, granted, it's accepted by a ton of people, but yeah, that's one. It's generally kind of in superhero movies. They're not, you're not talking about soup. I, I don't know the last time I read a comic book about a super collective, right? Right. <laughs> a, su a super union um, or, or, you know, a super party necessarily. And, you know, when they do band together, yeah, it's kind of some form of collectivism, but it's always the great men and women of history still coming together to, to shape the course of, of, uh, you know, history. But yeah, I mean, Zach's, Zach's worldview between, you know, being an adherent of great man of history theory, all the Ayn Rand stuff j just makes for 
a really dismal, dismal picture of the future. And it's especially funny because you're in this world where you can like travel through time <laughs> and mm-hmm. right. Batman has enough money to buy banks. And this is still what you think of, because I think for him as like the Ur edge Lord, that's still what's edgy, which, you know, to our right. kind of agreed upon point is like, no, it's not edgy. It's just the reality for the, for the vast majority of yeah. us. Well, and there was something that you said throughout the run of the show that uh, that that sort of hit home with me. One of one of two things, being that, um, and, and this I think speaks to our present political reality probably more than anything else about the movie. These motherfuckers do the bare minimum to avert apocalypse yeah. at every turn, right? Yeah. Like you wait until it's gotten as bad as it could possibly get, and at the last second you avert only the worst possible outcome, right? You only avert uh, the entire world getting exploded and taken over, but you don't do anything to address, you don't do anything to make anything else better. And maybe this is all superhero movies as a genre, I don't know, but we were talking specifically about this one and you know, it's just every time you wait to the very last second and then you avert only the worst possible outcome and don't, you don't make anything, you don't address any of the underlying causes ever. Yeah. And it's like I said, I mean, this is not about superhero, like the genre of storytelling, be it in film or on comic books broadly. And so I'm sure there's plenty of, as you said, examples of what you're saying. I'm trying to rack my brain really quickly to think of versions where it's not the case. Um, but yeah, but it's hard not to see that as, as I've mentioned, it was, you know, a parallel for me of, you know, how kind of politics take place. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just like, okay, these guys want to let the, the dam that is collapsing collapse. That's what they want to do. We want to go in and put our finger in the dam at the last second. (laughs) Right. And you pick between two of us, right? right and right. neither, both of us can come together and agree. Both of us can reach across the aisle and agree that talking about damn infrastructure, that talking about, you know, using, uh, you know, this technology in the first place, addressing that is bad. Addressing that is wasteful and wrong. It's anti-patriotic. Yeah. And so it is funny, like I said, to see that presented, like superheroes are trotted out and it's just like, you did it. You saved the day. You saved us from, you know, complete mass disaster. There's that hilarious Mr. Burns line when, when Homer falls, <laughs> falls into the, uh, the, uh, the exhaust tube and he goes, you know, what could have, you took what could have been a Chernobyl and made it a mere three mile island. Right? <laughs> yes. Your bravery and quick thinking have turned a potential Chernobyl into a mere three-mile island. Bravo! But that's what, again, just kind of speaking to the lack of imagination, um, yeah, why, why can't things end up, like, good, not just, we, well, we've staved off absolute, complete disaster. Yeah. Right? Well, it's like as- the, the superhero prevents the forest fire from burning your house, but they stop it as it singes your doorstep. And mm-hmm. all your neighbors are still dead. <laughs> like, right. why not actually stop, you know, the forest fire? Well, and that dovetails perfectly into my, the second thing that I wanted to mention, and I, I thought about this a lot since we had Matt Ellis on the show. 
y'all talking about uh, Fukuyama, the end of history, um, and and sort of the end of film. I I've, God, I've thought about that every day since we recorded that episode. And is this really all that we have left? Like, is this is this the best we can do? Like, is this? Uh, and and I, I know the answer to this. It's not. Um, but the fact that these films, in a in a general way, are you know, I, just to begrudgingly uh, allow something that, that folks have been saying about this movie for a while and about the genre for a while. These are our new myths, right? That's they're 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 right. universal. We all uh, believe in them. We go to the cinema in droves to see them. You know, the, these are our new mythos. These are our new b beliefs. They've replaced God. They've replaced everything. Um, they are so ubiquitous, uh, you know, they're just sort of out there in the ether. And it's, it's, and they're so reactionary. They're so grim. The, the lessons that we draw from them are so utterly awful that even though people, I, I, I happen to watch, um, in the Earth this week, which is the new Ben Wheatley film. Absolutely blew me away. Best thing he's done since Kill List in a Field in England. Really remarkable, imaginative, shot entirely during COVID, during Shelter in Place with a really small cast and crew. Phenomenal fucking film. I encourage everybody to go see it. So like, you know, Ben Wheatley's out there. He's still doing great stuff. But, you know, 0.01% as many people are going to see that as saw Justice League. And so... It's not even the fact that superhero movies have um, have edged everything else out of the market. It's just that they're 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 so ubiquitous now that it, um, that you know I don't I don't know. Does that mean the other stuff might as well not even exist? I guess that's what I'm sort of driving at. Yeah, and I mean I too I kind of you know groan and roll my eyes at you know the talk of like these these are our myths these are our heroes but there really is something to it right because mm -hmm. you know the media that you consume and the media that is produced people are trying to give you information right it's not just like this is fun to watch haha the, the end right like look in you know the history of of media there's usually a point being made by by things and i'm not saying that you know, Zack Snyder is a propagandist. Right. Um, but just to go back to my earlier point, well, like what I think is interesting about him is that, you know, he sees himself as being very immune or detached from, you know, a, a broader historical or political environment. And yet he's not and how that is on constantly on display. It's so fascinating to me, but yeah, no, I mean, these are, you know, these are things that, you know, this is our main form of entertainment. And I think to mm -hmm. your point, and also, you know, you're kind of, you know, the point about American politics in particular. Yeah, there's other stuff going on. There's other options. It's good. There's good film being made, but this is what rises to the top, for yeah. right for for better or for worse. This is what gets the super PAC money. <laughs> this is who, at right. the end of the day, you get to to vote for in the general. And so that is the part about it where it's, yeah, to me is like just chilling and <laughs> kind of groan, groan inducing um, because that does, it does matter, right? That does matter yeah. in terms of, 
all right, well, what, what gets, what gets the fat checks and what is going to be most people's option, you know, when they, when they go to the theater and yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, I also think that, you know, part of me wonders and granted, you know, we've spent a lot of time (laughs) kicking dirt on this thing, but are we at the point we've talked a little about a bit about this before where we, we've moved away from something receiving praise and funding and, you know, all those things combined or maybe in some sequential order because it is enjoyed and rather just because it causes a stir. Right. That's happened throughout history for sure. Like that is, you know, how newspapers were sold back in the day. That's not a new phenomenon, you know, by any stretch of the imagination. But now that we can just like measure unique eyeballs on screens, I wonder if that will, this, you know, I think, lends itself to the death of film is part of what is going to just drive things now, right? Like are more people going to watch Logan Paul fight a kangaroo <laughs> than are ever going to watch, you know, two people that have honed their, their boxing craft. Yeah. It's looking that way. Right. And then if that's what happens, then that's where the funding and the interest goes. Same thing. If more people watch this because it's just this big sloppy spectacle I can only imagine that more film studios are going to try to engineer big sloppy spectacles. And then that's kind of what we're left with. Yeah. I would a hundred percent pay for that pay-per-view though. <laughs> Logan Paul versus a kangaroo. God, one of those yoked kangaroos that's like makes you see in the memes. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's like really buff. Yeah. I mean, we are getting close <laughs> we're definitely those things getting... have razor sharp claws it would fucking disembowel him literally that would be so sick i yeah, would watch the great. fuck out of him. <laughs> it'd be amazing i mean i would also just settle for like reading a headline that like he got hit by a bus right yes. <laughs> he was just he was on his way to uh rob a lids or i mean i assume <laughs> i assume he just goes to like a zoomies and like charges up overnight right like that's <laughs> <laughs> that that's what happens. Amazing. All right, we should uh we should wrap this up and let people go about their business. This was super fun. Uh I hope we continue to do this in some capacity. I don't know what our next subject matter would be or could be. Um but yeah, let's uh let's figure that out and uh you know, the people demand it. They want their hot hot takes on something. They they want their uh, Dallas and Zoomies references. They just can't, they can't get enough. <laughs> I bet there are already half a dozen Dallas podcasts. Yeah. I Episode mean, recaps of, of everything. If there is something, you know, the, the, the listeners out there, you'd like us to tackle, we're open to suggestions. Cause fantasy, yeah, fantasy I, Island episode by episode. Yeah. I mean, as I said, I had a blast, absolute blast doing this, uh, Ian, and also too, take this time to publicly say that all of this came together because of Ian. I, I was successful in showing up more or less within 10 minutes of when I was supposed to (laughs) talking. Everything else, uh, was because of Ian's wizardry. So false, absolute, uh, hats off to you. And yeah, hopefully we can do something again in the future. I look forward to it. All right, folks. Thank you for your kind attention. Thanks for listening. If you liked this, tell a friend. Uh, these these aren't going away. These episodes will still be available. Listen again if you enjoyed listening the first time. I don't know. Maybe you don't have anything better to do. Who am I to judge? 
This pod is unstoppable. Another world is possible. We'll see ya. Something woke the box my people guard. It called out to the dark place, to one of Darkseid's conquerors. The enemy is here. He's here? Where is he? He'll be searching for the other two boxes, hiding until he has all three, until he's ready. We have to be ready. You, me, the others. I'm so sorry, I'm late.